Are you feeling stuck, lost, tired, or uninspired? We've all been there, including myself. I'm Coach Des, mindset motivator and lifestyle entrepreneur. I'm here to tell you that the best, unapologetic, and limitless version of yourself is yet to come. The Born Unbreakable podcast is here to inspire just that. With motivating guests from all different walks of life and around the world, their stories will empower you to unlock abundance and your unbreakable spirit. Do you need accountability? Reach out to me for a free consultation of how I can support you in reaching your maximum potential. This episode is brought to you by Korma Date Coffee, the healthy alternative to coffee. This delicious date coffee has the health benefits of giving you natural energy, antioxidants, vitamins, minerals, and fiber. Best of all, Korma is caffeine-free. No jitters, no anxiety, and no afternoon crash. Go to KormaCafe.com, that's K-O-R-M-A-C-A-F-E.com, and enter discount code BORNUNBREAKABLE at checkout to get 10% off your order. Welcome to the Born Unbreakable podcast. I'm your host, host, Coach Des, and forgive me for being a little frazzled. I have to be super (laughs) honest with you, okay? Um, There's a couple of things going on right now. I have an amazing guest who's been incredibly patient because we use, I use this wonderful platform that works remarkably, apparently 99.9% of the time because we spent... That's right. 1%. That's what we're talking about today is this 1% because we're going to talk about getting over fear and, and all this kind of fun stuff. But we spent like 20 minutes trying to figure that out. So then I had to switch platforms and then I had to figure out how to record. So needless to say, you know, we're talking about fear today. And if you're fearful of technology, my advice for you is to just continue to persevere through it push all the buttons and just, you know, do what you got to do to make it work. And Hey, sometimes you come out on the other end because here we are, <laughs> it's working. We've, platforms. We start over. You just <laughs> start over and you do what you have to do, but you know what? That's, that's, we're learning every day. Even people like Lisa Beth and I <laughs> learn in this space, but with, with all of that, being said, my guest today is Lisa Beth Thomas. She's a speaker. She's a producer. She is really so many things. And she has become this expert on fear and anxiety because she's been speaking on it for about seven plus years now at this point. So we're going to dig into that. But she's had her own fair share of experiences with fear, because at one point in Lisa Beth's life, she went through a divorce and following that you lost a home and a business. And then shortly after that, you lost your mom. And in that time you had to face a lot of your fears, but in doing so, in going through that process, you were able to turn those tragedies into triumph. And that's really what I want to dig into today. So I know you've got your story to share, but first I just want to say welcome and thank you for managing with me through these technical difficulties. It became like this. 
drink. <laughs> I know it. Oh, fighting fun. the good fight this morning. Oh my goodness. But Lisa Beth, why don't you start with your story? You know, take, take me back to, uh, you know, when you had these, these moments of fear and you were, you know, going through this and you didn't maybe have the tools that you do today to work through some of that. What was that like? Well, and I, I learned the tools going through it. And sometimes that, you know, our journeys are always so amazing. And it's when we're at the, hopefully I'm not at the end of my journey, but when you come out of that fire, whatever it is, it's when you look back and you go, oh, those are the lessons I needed to learn. So yeah, as you said, well, to, to back up even that, we're, we're down in um, Austin, Texas, and it's a beautiful day in Austin today, and had a seven-figure uh, production company and advertising agency, and we're doing the red carpet junkets with celebrities and working for Miramax and doing a lot with Robert Rodriguez and award-winning. I mean, just everything. We were on top of the world, and my partner was also my husband, and early on, I knew something was wrong. Early on, I knew that um, he was not the right person for me. And, but out of my fear, but not knowing it at the time, it was really my insecurities. I didn't want another divorce. I had been divorced. I didn't want to break up the blended family. We had clients, we had employees, we had all this stuff. So I stayed out of fear. And he was very emotionally abusive, not just to me, but to everybody around us. And um, I would placate that and stayed in it as long as I possibly could. And then finally, one day I was like, I'm, I just can't do this anymore. I just, the, the emotional abuse was horrible and the undermining was horrible. So I finally drew the line in the sand and I literally coach Des woke up one day and went, I could be a waitress. I, I could go to work at HEB, which is the grocery stores here in Texas. Um, I, I, you know, I realized that I did have options, right? I, I actually listened to one of the, your pod, a couple of your podcasts and the one the other day of um, the financial coach mm-hmm. that really had spiraled down and thought about taking her life. I'd never gotten to that point, but I thought about going to Mexico and selling tacos on the beach. I mean, I was like, I'm out, I'm out. But so when I finally pulled the trigger on getting the divorce during the divorce, a lot came out and he was the operations side of our, our business. And not only did he not file one year of our personal taxes, he didn't file three years of our personal taxes. Oh boy. Yeah, your face. Your, the financial coach the other day would be having a heart attack. Right now. <laughs> yeah. So, That's um, not a good way to uh, do business. No. And luckily it wasn't our bit. It was, but it was our personal mm-hmm. and his theory was he disagreed and just didn't and he was an ex-banker. So it's not like he didn't know. He was rebelling against the system. He was rebelling <laughs> against the system. But what happened, and for the listeners, here's just a, a, a good thing, a piece of advice. What happens is that daily interest and penalties, and I'm talking, it was six, seven, eight years three of them. Oh my. Interest in penalties. Every I'm starting to sweat time. just trying to figure out the math and what that could possibly look like. <laughs> and I'm a total optimist. So I kept thinking, I can do this. I can get out of this. Well, then during the divorce and he pleaded hardship because the business came to me. I kept the business. He pleaded hardship. So um, the 
not knowing that the IRS would say, oh, you're a seven-figure business. We'll just scoop in and take some take money out of the business, even though I was an LLC. So I, and anyway, that doesn't oh. at that point, it doesn't matter. So anyway, money was coming out. And I kept saying, but it's not my money. It's my client's money. It's media buys. It's, you know, I mean, yes, there's a couple hundred thousand in the bank, but it's not my money. You know, it's. They, they don't care. <laughs> no, no, and again, no. They, they, and don't. they actually were very lovely to me. The IRS was very kind, very lovely, trying to work this out. But bottom line, I couldn't rob Peter to pay Paul anymore. And it got to the point where I wasn't sleeping. I um, I lost my creativity. I was the head of the creative for the agency and nothing, nothing was coming out. Um, I was just holding it together and I'm not the numbers and I'm not the operation side. So trying to hold it all together was really, really hard. So, um, in Texas, you don't have to, I went to a bankruptcy attorney and said, I need to file bankruptcy that I just can't do this anymore. I'm a quarter million dollars in debt. I've got all this stuff. I, what am I going to do? And he said, you don't have to file bankruptcy. You just dissolve the business. That's how, you know, Texas law is that. We'll send out letters. We'll let everybody know the business is long, no longer here. And I said, well, I want to I pay that quarter million dollars back. I don't want to be out there. And he said, of course you do. That's, your, that's who you are. But no, you're going to step away because you, the rest of your life, you're going to be paying off this debt that really was just a business failure. No, you're just going to walk away. And I went, okay, which really made sense because today I would still be paying. And he said, the amount that I owed stations and things, which is 10,000 here or 20,000 here, he goes, is a rounding error, you know, for that. It, it's not like, and only one, one station, one station rep was nasty. Everybody else was understanding. I had the ABC station offer me a job. Everybody else was awesome. This one rep went to one of my clients and was, was complaining about that I, you know, didn't pay my bill and I was closing the business. And uh, it was Greg Berger, Precision Camera and Video. He said, she's lost everything. He said, it's not like she's taking the money and going on a whirlwind vacation. She's lost everything. Because at this point, I had to sell my house to pay off the $90,000 lien on the house. Plus oh my, my business gosh. is gone. And this is now May is when I started dissolving the business. My mom died July 17th and then closing of my house was August 9th. So all this happened in a, like a four month period. And so that's where he was like, give her a freaking break, you know, oh my God. So again, when I didn't, I knew I was selling the house to pay off the, the, the note and it was a to total about $120,000 altogether. Um, and again, my ex pleaded hardship. So he paid $50 a month. And I got everything else. And um, and then when my mom died, I was like, are, are you kidding? You know, now she had Alzheimer's and we were hoping it would go peacefully. And But still, it was like I did 20 years of depression and stress all in a three-month period. And um, and people now ask, was I depressed? And, and I said, well, I'm, and I'm not a depressed person. I'd never been depressed. I didn't know what that looked like. And I said, I don't think so. And then when I started thinking about it, I went, well, is that where you wake up, you cry, you go to work, you cry at your desk, you come home, buy a cheap bottle of wine, mm -hmm. not a good one. So I didn't have any money. I mean, it was the bottom shelf. Yeah. Yeah. And then not even a whole carton of ice cream. It was like the no. little ones, yeah. you know, because you could only get like a scoop. Yeah. 
You can yeah. only get a scoop and it has to last a week. And then I would drink that in bed and wake up the next morning and go again. I went, well, yeah, I guess I was. So it was a horrible. So I lost, I lost everything. I was homeless and I wasn't living under a bridge and, but I was sleeping on people's couches because I didn't know where I was going to go. I didn't have any money. Um, luckily my kids were grown. One's married. The others were at college. So it wasn't like I was moving, but it's been our family home. So, um, yeah. So, so you, was, so you oh. had a triple whammy. And the, you, well, and, and, and even, ah, I'm just like trying to put the count together, but so you, you have the, the marriage that you were trying to hold on to that clearly, you know, was, was going through its own demise, the business, and then your mother passing, and then all this money that, you know, you had to figure out how to pay. And then, and now you're on the couches and what's going through your mind as you're now moving from situation to situation going, okay, what does it look like for me to start over at this point? Well, what was going through my mind at the time? And I'm a, I'm a little embarrassed to say, but I'm going to say, cause I know other listeners have probably experienced this, that I was literally like, you son of a, you know, I know of other people that have had hardships and they've gotten through it. And there's been a miracle because I prayed for a miracle every day. And I was like, come on. And then I got mad at myself because I was like, why am I not like the Sunday school Bible story, Job, have faith throughout all of this and have trust. I was like, what, what is wrong with me? And then I'd never actually read Job. I've read the new Testament, mm -hmm. but I only knew the Sunday school version of Job. So I opened the Bible to Job and I went, oh, he was really pissed at God. Okay. <laughs> All right. It wasn't like he was like, thank you, God, that you took everything. He was mad. Yep. And so I th that gave me permission that that's okay, that I'm a human being. And God knows it. I'm a human being and I'm in dealing with human crap right now. Mm -hmm. And yes, I have every right to be pissed off. So I gave myself a mourning period. Does. And I think that was really important because I had, again, amazing friends and family. Now, most people didn't know what was going on in my world. My inner circle, my kids, my sister, my brothers, and then a few good friends really didn't know how bad it was because my identity was so tied to my business that I thought when I lose this, when I'm not at the red carpet, when I'm not at this, no one's going to like me anymore. Then, well, and then who am I? Who am I? And how many of us do that? How many of us have lived our, and, and that is just intertwined in who we are? Well, uh, well, part of it, and let's be honest with ourselves, how much time do we spend on our careers versus doing anything else, especially at the peak, right? When you're talking about whatever, pick, pick your number 21 to whenever you decide that you're going to do something else or retire. I mean, it's years yeah. that you're, you're doing this. So it's, it's, yeah. yeah, it's not a surprise that you become entangled as that being a, a, a large, if not a majority of the identity that you've built for yourself. So doing anything different probably think feels foreign. Think about every networking event you go to. Hi, you know, nice to meet you. What do you do? Immediately, that's what we go to. It's like so autopilot. Then like, yeah, then I was like, nothing. <laughs> I don't do anything because I can't do anything. So I couldn't, well, I'll, I'll get to that. So anyway, so I was living on couches. Um, 
again, only my inner circle knew exactly, but again, not totally what was going on because I was afraid. I was really fearful of what people would think. And like, who was the first person that you told the real deep truth to that you were like, listen, this is really what's going on. Like, do you remember who that was? Probably my sister, probably my sister. Um, but the first time I went public, like very, no, you know what? The first time is when I had to write the, the lawyer said he was going to send a certified letter to all the stations, letting them know. And so I've, you know, we've been media buying in Austin and well, internationally at that point, 15, 16, 17 years. And so they were, he was going to write a letter and I went, I can't do that. I've been working with these people since the late nineties. I, you know, or two thousands, I, I, I can't just let this go. So I had to sit down and I drafted an email to every rep, every station general manager, everybody that I was, that I'd known and explain the situation. Cause I wanted to come from me, not that I was just screwing them and leaving. So that was the first time I came out and that was so hard to, to tell. And that's when I was getting amazing love letters back of respect and kindness and it's okay. But I, I also founded Texas women in business 11 years ago. We're kind of coming on 12 years and I was the founding president and I was on stage and I don't know why I wasn't president at the time during this time period, I was on stage going to introduce somebody doing, I don't remember, but everybody looked up to me. I was the founding president. I had this ad agency. I worked with Robert Rodriguez. I knew Matthew McConaughey. I, you know, all these things. And I went to do what I was going to do. And I went, I have to tell you all what's going on in my life. And I just started crying and I verbally vomited everything that had happened transpired over, this was probably at Christmas time and there's 200 women in the room. And I just verbally vomited everything and said, I have to be honest. I have to tell you what's going on. I'm, I'm a fraud standing up here that you think I'm, you've got me on, you're thinking who I am and I, this is what's happened. And Des, I can't tell you how many women when I got off the stage were lined up and said, oh dear God, thank you for sharing. I, I'm so tired of, of pretending that everything's okay. I'm so tired of wearing this mask of everything's good and I'm dying on the inside, mm-hmm. you know? And people started telling me their stories. And that's when I realized, and that's what you do for a living, you know, is you get people to share their stories because we all have a story. We all have something. And by sharing it, it gives others hope and it gives others, okay, they got through it. Mm-hmm. I can do it too. And that's what people kept saying to me. If you can do it, I can do it. Yeah. Um, and, and, and that, I mean, and your story is like, cause here's the thing that happens. This is what I think, or at least what I experience if this is kind of a daily process, right? We have all of these little mountains that we face every day that we need to climb somehow, you know, maybe it's a sp- Maybe it's a speech that we have to give. Maybe that's the little mountain, you know, figuring out how to make that perfect, how to make it impactful. Maybe it's something with your kids and you're, you know, you're figuring out how to get through this argument that you've been having and how do you get to the other side of it? I mean, it doesn't have to be the big things. You know, a lot of times, I mean, 
my show is about sharing those big things because that's, you know, it helps people to understand if, if somebody can get through like what you're talking about, but we've got little things too that feel like big things because when we're in it, it's, it's, that's the only thing that we see, you know, whether it's work related or it's personal related. And a lot of times we want to push through it because like you said, we don't want people to know about all that. It's not pretty. It's kind of messy. We want to just get past it. So then we don't have to talk about our problems. We could just talk about all our wins and all our successes and all the glory. Everybody have a true Facebook life. Everything's great. Yeah. Right. It's so funny because I've been like, I'm on a, I feel like I've been on like a social media cleanse. Like it's, it's, it's challenging as a business person and as a podcaster, because I have to use that to, to share information. So, so I need it, but then I also don't want to consume it too much. So it is, it is kind of this delicate dance that you do because then you find yourself kind of, you, you could get in a rabbit hole of despair, you know, cause there's good things, there's bad things, there's crazy things. And, and then it is, it is the highlight reel, you know, and that probably isn't the place that people are trying to share their deepest, darkest things with, with many who are probably acquaintances more than like your best friends, yeah. you know? And so it's, it's incredible you know, all all the things that you've gone through, but I want to talk about fear Mm -hmm. because in that time, I can only imagine how palpable that was and also facing people because now you're sitting in your reality. Once we decide that we're going to tell one people or a hundred or a thousand people, it's become even more real, Right. right? Because now it's like we, you go through this thing and you resist reality when you don't want that to be your reality. She's so resisting and you start accepting the more you talk about it. Right. I felt that way about like divorce. You know, it, it was like, I didn't want to talk. I, I, I waited so long to really, really talk about it because it wasn't until I accepted all the things I was going through that I could then, you know, be okay with, whatever people felt about that, whether it was good or bad, you know? And so what was it like for you to, what does it look like to face your fears of starting over? And, you know, well, and I I like what you said about, you know, when you share with one person or you share with a thousand people, what I found, and this was, this is the first, this was my first step of, of healing. And I didn't go see a therapist and I probably should have, but I, I didn't. Um, when I realized when I was, I was looking to tell people my story because I wanted them to validate poor me. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. I can't believe that happened. I can't believe he did. Oh my God, you poor thing. And I think we can get caught in that spiral. I, and I, I know we can, because then all of a sudden that story becomes our crutch. It can become our crutch. Mm. I can't because he or they or she or that. And that was my biggest lesson. I remember going, wait, what's my responsibility in this? It's wow. so easy to say he did that. And the blame game, that. right? The blame game. It's so easy because it, it we, we become Teflon. It's not mine. And that's how we get we get stuck 
We get stuck in that story. We get stuck in that. And, and that story doesn't move us forward. The story keeps us stuck. So it's using, not using the story as a crutch to not move forward, but using a crutch to limp forward and get going. So when I went, what's my responsibility? What did, what do I, what did I do or what didn't I do? And the biggest thing that showed up for me is I am the queen of avoidance. Ugh. I was the queen. Let me back up. I was the queen of avoidance. I knew I should divorce him. I knew that when things were going on, I would just avoid because I didn't want to deal with it. And I would sweep it under the rug. And I laughed it because I said to a friend of mine, I just tripped over all the stuff I swept under the rug because I just. <laughs> it's fell. a big old lump hanging it's like on. A dog. Under there. It's, it's like a, a dog. dog. When here's the, here's the other thing that is, is amazing that we do because I, I, commiserate with you and, and will and will say too, that it's something that I've worked on. Right. But it still creeps its way in as far as being a trigger. Like you recognize, you just recognize it better. Hold on. I'm avoiding. Let me face this and stop trying to hide from it. Is that we realize that in there are many moments in our lives that we do things for way longer than we should, whether it's a relationship that probably should have ended two years ago or uh, some kind of job or thing that you were doing related to your your work and you just weren't excited about it anymore. Doesn't mean you have to quit that, but there was probably something you needed to do differently to reinvigorate that. But, you know, there's so many times when we're like, yeah, status quo is, yeah, just that's too hard to change it. So I'll just leave it what it is. I don't want to deal with it right now. What what could happen? That's that fear. And, um, that's when I started really looking at what am I afraid of? And why was I so afraid? Why was I so afraid to get the divorce? Why was I so afraid to walk out of that relationship? What, why? And that's when I started looking at it and I started looking at my fears and, and one of them, it was truly a lot of insecurity on my part. And I discovered, and I love that, you know, your, your, your show is called born unbreakable, but we are only born with two fears. We're born with two fears and that's it. The fear of loud noises and the fear of falling. Everything else we've learned. Wow. Think about that. And so it's close to being unbreakable. I mean, because we, we were born with just those. And then everything else we've picked up from family, our parents, school, friends, social media, te- television. It's so crazy hearing you say it that way. <laughs> yeah. And think about, think about, you know, maybe you've had an insecurity about, bangs. I don't know. Bangs. Because your mom at one point when you cut your bangs said, that looks stupid. Whatever. And then all of a sudden you're 40 years old and you're, oh, I can't have bangs because they look stupid. And all of a sudden you're like, wait, what? Are you, what? Yeah. Doesn't you make know, any I, sense. It doesn't make any sense. So when I started digging into my fears and, and first of all, then, so we, that's what we're here to talk about is fears. You, you said the word trigger and that's it. When something triggers you, when something pushes your buttons, Mm -hmm. that is your clue that there is a fear that's tied to that. So anytime that you're in a situation that you're like, God, and it's interesting because you're, oh, probably doesn't bother somebody else because there isn't a fear tied to that. Mm -hmm. So the next time, Des, that you're in a place where something really punches your button, that's the time to go, hmm. What is the fear that could be tied to that? 
And what's interesting is that most times people think of a presenting fear, like something that makes the most sense right at that moment. Right. But when you start peeling away the onion and asking yourself, well, what if that really happened? And then what would happen? And what would that do to my heart? You start asking these kind of what if questions, Mm -hmm. you get down to that core fear. And my core fears are, and there's, there's five of them, basically there's fear of um, not being loved, fear of being alone, fear of not trusting, which is big for um, abuse victims, fear of not being worthy and not good enough. Those basic five that anything you could name would fall into one of those silos. People are listening and going, yeah, yeah, mm -hmm, yes, yes, that too. All five, all five, five. that's me. I mean, honestly. My two big ones are not good enough and not worthy. Oh, so. Bad fear, bad, bad. Bad fear, bad fear. And I don't know where they came from. I don't know if it's when my parents divorced. I'm not blaming anybody. I don't know where they came from and it doesn't matter where they came from. But once I identified what those were, and again, you brought it up a few minutes ago that, you know, then you go, oh, there you are. And then you recognize it. Now, when something comes up for me, I immediately go to, is, am I just mad at him? or her, or this situation, or is it my insecurity, or is it my um, fear of not being good enough, or not being worthy? Is it, and, and so I make sure I do a quick touch on that. And it's gone from thinking about it all the time to now it, it, it rarely comes up for me anymore, because I've, uh, my antenna was up for it and looking for those situations. Mm-hmm. And what I found, and especially in relationships, is that I was looking at relationships through the cracked lens of my crap from my not being good enough or worthy in my oh. head. And when I realized, and so for, so when I finally started dating, it took me three and a half years to even think about dating. I was not. And, and my kids were like, mom, you know, we're getting out. You meet somebody, go out. And I was like, Ugh. Yeah. and it wasn't that I hated men. It wasn't that it wasn't, I just didn't want to, I just didn't want it not realizing that there really was distrust underneath there. Mm-hmm. So I, I, after a couple of dates with different people, I met the guy I'm with now, David, we've been together six years and I felt so, I don't know why he stayed with me because I accused him of everything. I distrusted. I mean, he would say something and he is the kindest human being ever, but I was just constantly accusing him and, nailing him for things. And one day we're having an argument and I stopped myself and I drew a line in my, like this, right where I was. And I went, you've got to stop this right now. You're going to blow this with him or with anybody, you, me, you have got to stop looking at him through your past. And I said to him, I am so sorry. I'm accusing you of things that you've never done, thought of, out of my hurt from my past of not being good enough or worthy. And oh I, my gosh. I said, I am so sorry. And whether you want to talk to me ever again or not, <laughs> it's up to you. But well, I, he's still here. So <laughs> but it was me. I had to get to that point of realizing being not good enough or worthy, which is bull, because right. I am, was affecting everything. And I'm, I'm going to put this out there right now. 
how many of your listeners, viewers, and I'm going to say probably more female than male, undervalue themselves when it's time to put together a proposal. They put down $100,000 and they go, maybe 75. You know what? Because I'm not really an expert, but I'm really good. And they, because I'm not good enough or I'm not worthy for that. Right. All the time. And it's bull because you are, you are the expert at what you do because nobody has been in your shoes. Why do we do that? Stop that. Good enough. It's so frustrating. (laughs) It's just so frustrating. It's so frustrating. But that's the thing when you face it. It's when you go, wait, there you are. Of course, I'm good enough. Of course, I am an expert. I've lived this. I wrote this program. I have gone from beating myself up mentally. Mm -hmm. Um, You're an idiot. I can't believe you did that. Why did you stay? Blah, blah, blah. That was my constant to... Says, I don't even remember the last time I mentally or verbally beat myself up. I don't remember the last time I called myself an idiot or I said, well, that was stupid. I don't remember. Mm-hmm. That's how long it's been because I finally faced my fears. And then again, when they come up and that's the beauty, when something comes up, when something pushes your button mm-hmm. and I know we're, I don't know how much time we have, but can I give you a great example of walking yeah. through these steps? Yes. I would love that. So the woman who cuts my hair, she, she was putting foil on my hair. She, she was highlighting my hair and she got a text and she slammed her phone down. I went, oh, and I said, what's wrong? And she said, I hate that client. She said she always changes her appointment and asks me to do it on my time in the evenings or on the weekends. And I said, well, tell her no. And she goes, well, I can't tell her no. And I, I need to do it. And, and so I, I went into, so that was her trap, right? That trigger that punched her button. So I knew, I knew she, there was something, there was a fear underneath there. So I said, well, what would happen if you fired her? What would happen if you said no? And she said, oh, I said, you know, what are you afraid of? She's, oh, I need the money. So that's her presenting fear. Mm. That's a good fear. Yeah. I need the money, right? Okay. We all yeah. could say that. But I knew that wasn't it. So I said, well, what would happen? if you didn't have the money. And she said, oh, my kids have camp coming up and they wouldn't be able to go to camp because that's going to be the tuition and I need to have that. And I said, well, what would happen if they didn't go to camp? She said, well, they'd be at the house and they would be mad at me and it would be a horrible summer. And I said, well, what would that do to your heart? She said, I would feel horrible. And I said, well, where would that leave you? She was feeling like a terrible mom. Well, what would happen if you were a terrible mom? She goes, well, then I, I feel like I let my kids down and I promised my husband I would take care of camp and I let my husband down. I said, okay, where would that leave you? And she said, alone. And I said, what would that do to your heart? And she goes, well, what if, because I let him down, they didn't love me anymore. And she stopped right there and went, oh my God, I'm letting horrible clients I'm keeping horrible clients I don't like because I'm afraid of my family, of letting my family down and them not loving me. She went through it that fast. Oh my gosh. (laughs) I I went and processed. She came back and said, I fired that client. And I went, oh, well, I didn't mean like me. Okay. And she said, but between firing her and saying, no, I'm not going to do it on the weekend. Thank you. You may want to find somebody else. Another woman called who'd been wanting to get into me and 
said it was very accommodating to my schedule, was going to do double of what that other woman was. So it opened up that opportunity for more to come in. So mm-hmm. she was holding on so tight to this, keeping it. But once she let go of it, mm-hmm. more came in. But she went from, I need the money to my family may not love me, which is really love is one of the big fears. Wow. That changed everything for her. So it's going down those questions when you get in that, what, what would happen if it really happened? Mm -hmm. Where would that leave me? And what would that do to my heart? You just keep healing that same over and over and Keep over again, down to peeling get to that down the layers of that onion because we do it all the time. So many situations come up, and they're common situations. Relationship, perfect example, like the one that you just gave of you know, all the signs are there. This isn't healthy. This isn't working. I've tried, you know, 50 different things, and you know, you're holding on, you're holding on, and then it go, then you get down to being alone. Yeah. I'd rather be with this person who I know isn't the right partner for me, but I'd rather have that than be alone. I mean, you know, there, there's these th- things. And then when you say it out loud, then you're like, that's crazy. That's yeah, crazy that's talk. That's crazy talk. And I'm valuable and I'm a loving, kind human being. Why would I put up with this? This isn't. Why? Yeah. Why? And there's a difference between, and I, I, I share this a lot when I facilitate programs, there's a difference between being alone mm-hmm. and being lonely. Big time. You know, I Give me a good bottle of Cabernet and a book and I'm a happy girl giving me an hour by myself. I'm, I'm good. That's being alone. I love it. Right? But being <laughs> lonely is because I've pushed everybody away or my heart has been hurt that I don't want anybody else to get close to me. Right. Or I'm in a relationship that I'm lonely because I've, I'm putting up with bull. Because I'm, I, I'm not worthy or I'm not good enough. Mm-hmm. Well, and, 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 then, and then there's the things because of our past, which is so much of where it comes from, these fears, is, is something that was less than ideal occurred and we are afraid that thing is going to happen again. Yeah. You know, I got my heart broken. Well, I'm just not going to be with anybody because I'm not doing that again. You know, like I worked in this in this environment and it was it was so bad. I I don't think I can go for another job. I probably should just change careers. I mean, there's these things that we say and it's like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. (laughs) Hold on. You know, you have to get down to the specifics and really address it. So then you don't continue to just battle the same thing over and over again. And then all of a sudden, because you didn't solve it, now you're just carrying it around with you to every situation and it's still left, you know, Yeah. Well, and, there. And, I, and, and that's the thing. The moment that I realized not being good enough or not being worthy went with me everywhere. Mm-hmm. I was thinking that was for me personally in my relationship. And, that, and then one day I went, oh, wait, I take that to work with me. Mm-hmm. I take that. And when I'm in negotiations with clients and maybe I back down because, oh, well, maybe I'm not good enough. Maybe I'm not worthy of getting this. And then I went, whoa, wait a minute, wait a minute. And then it dawned on me how that was affecting everywhere. So now, like I said, the minute it comes up, the minute it, the first thing to do is face it and go, okay, there you are. I, I recognize you. Mm-hmm. And, and, Facing that fear is so important. And and then like giving it a name. Okay, you are the fear of, okay, I am worthy. I am 
this. You know, I, I am lovable. Mm-hmm. I am trusting, you know, and, or I want to get there. I yeah. want to trust again. Cause what we, we do? have to believe first. Right. If we expect anybody to be on that ride with us, right? right? If, if, if you're, if you emanate a persona of unworthiness or anything else, then that, that's, that is the vibration. You know, we, we are all energy. We're energy and vibrations. And the way that you walk into a room can change the energy and the vibration, you know, and there's a big difference between being uncertain and unsure than being confident and joyful. I mean, it's, you, you could see it just in facial expressions and your gesture and your tone of voice and your posture. I mean, so it's, it's all relative, but awareness seems to be the place that we have to get to in order to make the progress. And you, and we all have done that. We've walked into a room and you can look and scan the people and go, no, 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 yes, no, no, because their energy, that negativity, that whatever it is. And the same thing that they're doing to us, they're looking at us. Are we light? Are we joy? Are we confident? Or are we carrying around some baggage that they're like, eh, I don't want, I don't want that juju. None of that. Want- yeah. yeah. You know, I mean, even th- eye contact how you make eye contact, how you smile. I guess the mask thing makes that hard to see sometimes, but you know, it's, it's, um, but it's work, right? It's, it it's, work. it's not overnight. So what would you tell someone who, who maybe is in that situation right now? Maybe there's something going on in their personal life. Maybe there's something going on in their career, you know, in a relationship or maybe in a decision that they're just fearful of making because they're kind of going through all kinds of noise in their head. What would you, what would you say to them? Two things. One, listen to what you're saying. Listen to your self-talk. Um, it, it does crack me up that I don't know how many times I'd stay awake worrying about a situation and the what ifs, and I would go down to all the what ifs on the world and then the situation that happened, right? We've all done that where yes. we've gone, oh my God, what? Blah, blah, blah. So the first thing is, is, is really listening to what it is that you're saying in your head. A friend of mine, I heard one time saying, I loved it. We were facilitating a workshop and he said, you want me to tell you how you can um, know your future? You could be a fortune teller and know your future. And I was like, oh, that's cool. I want to hear what fun. That sounds fun. And he said, what you're saying right now, what you're saying in your head right now will determine your life in three to five years. Think about that, Des. Think about that. I'm successful. I've found a great relationship. I'm healthy. I've lost the, 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 I've released the weight. I'm on track to reach my goals or I'm never going to make it. I'm always going to be alone. Hmm. I'm never going to find the person. Eesh. Right. Gosh, it's so heavy when you say those words, right? right? But our thoughts become our words that become our actions. And we all know that we know Napoleon, we all know all that, but, but putting it into practice. So that would be the first thing I would say, listen to your self-talk. What are you saying? And how I changed it for me, the minute I, ha- and I say it, I had my antenna up. The minute I would catch myself, I would be listening for negativity. I'd be listening for that and go, wait, stop. And I would catch myself and I would turn it around or I would just stop it. Because that's what determines what's going to happen next. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We have I- the ability to course correct. 
We have that skill. We're, you know, we're, we're resilient like that. We're resilient like that. And we can, it's amazing. I had uh, this interview with someone and we were talking the other day and he said, we have the ability to never have a bad day again, just bad moments. And I was like, dang it. That's true. That's so true. We can't control sometimes the little, the, the disruptions, you know, that happen, but we can say, okay, this is, this is frustrating. Like we just had it. We just had it, you know, however long ago, over 30 minutes ago, you know, with the technology, I was like, I am like, uh, technology is not my biggest, strongest suit. I'm like, I'm going to figure this out. We're going to get past this. We're going to keep going. But that was a bad moment. But once now we're here, we're in a totally different energy, a totally different space. But we, but we have that we have the ability to change that when we recognize it, but we do have to change our self-talk right. and we do have to address things or else we, we, we would repeat them. Well, and we can't control anybody else. That's Ooh. the biggest lesson I learned. We cannot control anybody else. The only person we can control is ourselves. So I cannot control what you're feeling or saying or anything, but I can control how I take it in or how I respond to that, or how I don't respond to that. Mm-hmm. And because, yeah. you know, one of the fears sometimes I still have, which, you know, I work on too, is the fear of what somebody's response is going to be. And you, you know? play it over and over yes. and over. I'm and like, then when they don't say what you thought you had planned, you're like, wait, that wasn't in my script. Hold on. Yeah, hold on. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Because you, we do that. Like, because I'm an empath, because I'm non, I, I am a non-confrontational person. If I have something to say that I think could possibly, you know, create an argument or a disagreement or something like that, it gives me like, I want to break out in hives or something, you know, because I'm like, oh, okay, wait. And then if I say that, then they could say this. And then if they say that, oh my gosh, then we could go down that track. And I mean, it's like crazy craziness. But then you have to tell yourself, okay, well, what are you responsible for? If the truth and your feelings and your honesty is what you're responsible for, it doesn't matter <laughs> what somebody's reaction is going to be. You know, you hope it's, it's, it's something positive for your own sake, but, but you're not responsible for that. Therefore you can only take care of your end of the deal. Right. For the, for the longest time with David, I wouldn't share my opinion or my thoughts, because again, I'm like, okay, that's just going to piss him off or that's going to do again. That was in that early stages. And I remember one time saying, if I don't share what, what, who will it hurt if I don't share what's on my heart? And Mm. I went me, it'll hurt me. So I was like, so I'm going to share what's on my heart. And if he disagrees with it and it it, it doesn't work for him, then he's not my person. Mm -hmm. Okay. So let me share what's on my heart because that's all I've got is me. Yeah. And Um, we've got to prioritize ourselves. Yes. Yes. And sometimes we don't do that. We put ourselves in a second or third or fourth, whatever position, because we want to accommodate, appease, please satisfy everyone else. You don't want to let people down. I don't want to let my husband down, my kids down, my friends down, my colleagues down. But how does it feel to let yourself down? What about that? Right. But with that right there, the people pleasing, I want to make sure everybody's good. That's the presenting fear. 
you break yeah. that down, I know right now you could say at the bottom of that is being loved, not good enough or worthy or being alone. It could depend on where you are. So I want to make sure everybody else is good. So they'll love me. I want to make sure everybody else is good because I want them to like me. Right. Then I'm going to end up here alone, unloved. I mean, you know, and, and, yeah. they, and they can stack, right? Because they're not necessarily just a unilateral thing. Right. They could right. be intertwi- intertwined, intermingled. And all of a sudden you've got, like you said, you had those two fears of unworthiness or not being enough. I mean, sometimes it's fears that is just a ball of multiple things. And, and, and it becomes, it feels like it's even harder, you know, to tackle well, that. And then, and then- Two more points I want to make before we go was um, one of the things I recommend is that when you get triggered, when that mm-hmm. thing that punches you in the gut, and you're like, oh, that's driving me crazy. Rather than react, mm-hmm. respond. So it takes our brain three to five seconds to process something. And so I always say, Think of something to break that connection. So let's say you are just pissed off. Something's happened and you're pissed off. It will take you three to five seconds to break that that connection because when you react, you're going to say or do something you probably will regret. But So you want to respond. You want to think through. So with three to five seconds, whether that is literally like our mom used to say, count to 10, or you take a minute and look outside or you pick up your phone and you look at the pictures of your kids, you do something to break that trigger connection. So you don't react. Mm-hmm. So what I do is when something triggers me, I go, okay. And I count to five, but in my brain, I'm going, is it unworthy? Is it a fear? Is it not good enough? What is it? And I just literally do that. And then I know to respond and not say something or do something that probably could be very detrimental. I love it. I yeah. love it. And I love it because it's quick, <laughs> right? It's three to five it seconds. takes a few seconds for us to step. be intentional so we can call it out and address it differently. Address it differently. <coughs> you son of a... You bleep, bleep, bleep all these crazy, terrible right. words that we say. Hey, you know what? <laughs> I need a minute. I need to think about this. You know, whatever it is. And then the other point I want to make before we go is that somebody said to me not long ago, so I always hear about overcoming fear. Why are you saying mm. I would it? Ooh. And I've never been asked that question. That's good. And I said, because I think it takes a really long time to overcome it. Or maybe you never do. I don't know because it's so in our cellular memory. But if you learn the steps to outwit it by responding, not reacting, of knowing the triggers of going through the steps of getting down the core fears, taking that moment to realize you're looking at crack through a cracked, rent, cracked lens and, and looking at those things, you're learning to outwit it while you're learning to overcome it. But overcoming doesn't come. I mean, once the first time I figured out what it was, it didn't go away. Uh-huh. It's in my body. I've been doing it forever. That's so, so it's true. It's going to take time. And the more I outwit it, the more my antenna's up, the more I go, oh, there you are. Nope. You're not going to do this to me today. Nope. Not today. Yeah. I've outwitted it. No, no, no. (laughs) Yeah. Like I outwitted outwitted negative self-talk. So now I really can say I've overcome negative self-talk, but it took me years. And I think when you say overcome fear, people, when they don't overcome it immediately, they go, I'm a failure. 
God, I did the steps and I didn't overcome it. What is wrong with me? No, it's a process. And you're a coach, you know that. Oh gosh. Do I ever, do I ever, it is, everything is a process. There is, you know, if anybody has been just continuing to listen to this show for the moment where we talk about the the yellow pill and the potion and the elixir, it's, you're going to be waiting forever (laughs) because it doesn't exist. And so we, this is about accepting who we are, loving who we are and learning the tools, the techniques to take us, you know, to where we need to be. So I do want to, in these last couple of minutes, I know we got started late, but I do, maybe we can do this kind of like a lightning round is, um, I have a few questions just for folks to get to know you a little better. Um, so because we are celebrating, you know, 2022 going into this new year and everything, I have the question of what would be your word for the year? You know, if you had to think of this word that inspires you, uplifts you, when you wake up, you're like, this is my word of intention. Like, what would that word be? I've been thinking about that word. I've been thinking about it because I have a friend that that does that. And her word for next year is shalom, which is peace and nothing unbroken, which I love that. Fabulous. I know it is a fabulous word. Her word last year or this year, 2021 was unfolding. And for some reason, that word just keeps coming up for me. And I don't really want that word, but it, I, I think it's unfolding, letting all of this unfold. But I, I, I haven't decided if that's my word, but letting, that's what's coming to you. Yeah. yeah. Instead of trying to control, let it unfold and see where all these pieces are coming together. So I love that For that moment it's unfold. Yeah. You know what word I kind of think of, and I don't know if it's, it's maybe just like a different spin on it is like surrender, you know, it's oh. kind of like, okay. Cause it, cool. you know, there's a part yeah. of this is like, I don't know. I, I kind of like yeah. talking through this stuff with people because like words just come to you as they're talking. So I don't know. That's another that's maybe surrender consideration, right? Because it's like, you're things are unfolding. You're, you're allowing things to happen, seeing where things fall, but I like it. That's awesome. Okay. What is one bucket list item that you have? To go to Nova Scotia. Ooh. Yeah. And I've always wanted to go and I never go. And I keep saying I'm going to, I read Nora Roberts book years ago, a trilogy on these three witches or whatever. I mean, I read it 20 years ago and it was set in Nova Scotia. And so I, I've always wanted to go to Nova Scotia, see the whales and see the quaint little town. I love it. I love it. So I think I know the answer to this next one, but I'm going to ask you anyways, what's a self-limiting belief that you've had that you've gotten past? Oh, a self-limiting belief. Well, maybe two. One, again, it goes back to that I'm not good enough. Mm-hmm. The other is that I'm living my, I'm, my life is very much like my mom's pattern after my mom. Mm. So as I do things, I go, oh God, that's just like mom. That's just like mom. And I love my mom and she's no longer with us. I love my mom, but I don't want my ending to be like my mom's ending. So it's up to me. I, my pattern is not 
my mom's, mm-hmm. it's mine. Mm-hmm. Does that make yeah. sense? It totally makes sense. I feel okay. like there's so many people going, uh, yeah, yeah. I work through that every day, right? Because we, we yeah. do that with our parents and things like that. Okay. What is one of your superpowers? Oh, I have, well, we haven't done it on here, but I have a really good sense of humor and I can connect very easily with people. Like I can walk into a room and immediately connect, get people laughing, have fun. Uh, I'm, I'm great at that. I'm great at instantaneous rapport. That's one of my superpowers. Oh yeah. And reading a room, reading a room. I can walk into a room and I don't know if that's an empath thing. I don't know what that is, but I can walk into a room and read the energy or I can change the energy of a room Mm -hmm. before I even walk into it. Um, If we're going to have a Texas women in business meeting, I would always picture the room and just send this positive excitement and energy into the room before I even walked in and just feel the shift in the, in the air. That's beautiful. Yeah. And I think there's some interconnectedness in, in that, right? Like being a connector and being able to read energy, it, it, it serves your ability to connect people even better, you know, through that. So I could see those two things going hand in hand. Okay. If you had to give one last piece of advice, what, what would you say to my listeners? Give yourself grace. Give yourself some grace. We we're harder on ourselves. We say things to ourselves that I would never, we would never say to a best friend, to a child, to um, somebody we'd meet a stranger and do the same for yourself. You're going to screw up. You're going to make mistakes. Give yourself grace. Yeah. That I need to wear a t-shirt just right there have that. It's beautiful. Oh, that's been, that's so good. Oh, this has been so good. Lisa Beth, where I was, I was having fear and anxiety because I was like, is this happening? Push every button, do all the things. So the most important thing now that I have to ask you as we end this interview is where can we find you? Where can we follow you? Where can we connect with you? If somebody wanted to do that? Easily. I'm on social media. It is just Lisa Beth Thomas and it's L-I-S-A-B-E-T-H. It's one word. Um, but I have a, my website is lisabeththomas.com. So that's very easy. So you can get me through emails there. And then Outwitting Fear, the course Outwitting Fear is literally at outwittingfear.com or you can, there's a link on lisabeththomas.com. And I put down there, um, a, a, it's either 10% or $10 discount for the course. It takes about an hour if somebody wants to do it. Mm-hmm. If they want to go through this process, identifying a trap, identifying the t- trigger and going through the process. And the nice thing is the course, it takes about an hour, but it's awesome because you can, once it's downloaded, you can do it over and over again. You can keep changing the trap. You can keep changing it. So it's not like once it's done, you can go back and go, oh, wait, what is that? Why did that bother me? You can go back in. So amazing. Yeah. Oh, that is, that is a gift. And I mean, again, you know, this is just so important because this is something that is ubiquitous. We all have fears. It's completely normal. It's a part of human nature, but just like anything else, we just need to learn how to work through, manage through so that we can, you know, persevere. 
and, and outwit, you know, the fear. I love that word, but this has been, this has been amazing. Thank you for being such a trooper with me this morning. Well, it, was fun. it was like two girlfriends just having a conversation. I I'm like, yeah. I can, I can read your mouth. <laughs> I think I know what you're saying. I just can't hear the words. Yeah. It was great. <laughs> sign language. Yeah, I know. I know. I'm like, I took that in college. I need to revive those skills. I need to revive my sign language skills. Oh, but this has been fantastic. I'm so excited. Yes. To just continue to follow your journey and stay connected. It's been amazing. Thank you so much. I've I've listened and I've enjoyed it. Thank you. Oh, I got to hear what she's doing. So you keep doing what you're doing. Thank you so much, Lisa Beth. You're amazing. Well, you are too. Thank you so much. Merry Christmas. Here's to 2022. Yes. I know we're, yes. in, we're, we're this is going to be in January when this yes. comes out. So hopefully everybody's had an amazing kickoff to the new year. Yes, so. absolutely. Happy new year, everybody. Yes. Happy new year. Yes. Thank you. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I am going to heed the advice of Lisa Beth that she gave at the end of my interview with her, which is to give ourselves grace. I'm going to do that today because things did not quite go the way I wanted them to, from the technical difficulties to a number of other things, which I won't get into because what we're here to reflect on is fear. That's what we spent some time talking about. And this is what I want for you. This is what I hope for you. This is what I wish for you. If you've learned this from today's episode, is that you will not let fear get in the way of your dreams, of the actions that you need to take, the decisions that you need to make to get you closer to where you want to be. Fear is this crazy thing that does that. And I love the simple questions that she talked through that help us get to the core of what those fears are, whether it is unworthiness, not feeling enough, not feeling loved, feeling alone, whatever it is, let's together learn to face it, address it, and move forward from it not let it hold us back and not carry the baggage of past experiences forward that prevent us from the most amazing experiences that we can have, whether that's in a relationship or in a career decision or any of those things, even fun, even doing things that are fun. We, we throw ourselves all kinds of self-talk that talk us out of things that we can enjoy because we're just afraid. So hope you got a lot out of today's episode. And I certainly appreciate Lisa Beth's story. So incredibly amazing, everything that she was able to work through and how she outwitted fear. I love that she uses outwit versus overcome. And uh, yes, Give yourself grace. Give yourself grace because we need to get good at doing that too. 2022, amazing. I'd love to know. I've been asking, uh, what is your word? I love that. I want to hear it. I want to know it. 
I, it, it inspires me to hear what the word is that people are choosing for the year. I'll probably continue to bring that up throughout the month of January and then I'll, and then I'll move on from it. <laughs> But have an amazing day. Share this episode with somebody who needs to hear it. Subscribe to the podcast if you haven't done so already so you can continue to get updates of the incredible interviews that I have on the show for you. Remember, you are your only limit. So take action and I'll see you again next time on the next episode of the Born Unbreakable podcast.